You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Christian Fellowship, located in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. We hope this message is helpful to you in your journey with God. For the live stream archive of our worship services, you can visit youtube.com slash cornerstonelebanonpa. Christian community is best lived out in face-to-face relationships with one another. We encourage you to physically participate in a local church setting within your area. Learn more about our faith community by visiting cornerstonelebanon.com. chapter 17 today, in the beginning of 17, and I titled my message, When Life's Late Threes Break Your Bracket, okay? Um, When I first married Mike, I was very surprised because he knew where so many colleges were in the States. He, you know, as soon as somebody would mention a college and he'd be, oh, it's right here, oh, it's right there, oh, it's right there. I said, how did that happen? And he said, it's basketball. That's, that's how it happened. So most people who fill out their brackets for March Madness experience some disappointment, a lot of disappointment. And Mike tells me that this year, St. Peter's broke a lot of hearts. Some of you may be disappointed if Villanova gets out of the tournament. I think they're okay so far. But in life in general, it's inevitable that someone is going to bust our bracket, okay? Jesus talks about this in the beginning of Luke 17. I'm just going to read the text here. Jesus, then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him for a millstone to be hung around his neck, and he were thrown into the sea, then he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you and says, I repent, then you shall forgive him. And the apostles said to him, Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. So likewise, when you have done all these things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants, and we have only done what was our duty to do, the word of the Lord. Okay, so at this point in Jesus' ministry, we've, um, Jesus is addressing his disciples. This is the latter part of his ministry, okay? And the last chapter that Justin took last week talks about Jesus is talking to the disciples. They're on the discussion about money. They're on um, the discussion about the... Uh, the shrewd manager who I sometimes question that parable, how that actually works. But anyway, that's what we were talking about last week. And now we're at Jesus is talking to his followers. He said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. 
but woe to anyone through whom they come. Okay, the ESV talks about temptations to sin are sure to come. Okay, and the New American Standard, it is inevitable. That's a strong word. It is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. And I chose the New King James. It is impossible that no offenses will come. So how's that for a positive spin on our world today, right? (laughs) Guys, this is the reality. And it's not just the reality for Christians. This is the human condition reality. It is impossible that offenses are not going to come. Okay? This is the world we live in. But it's very strong words to those through whom offenses come. And I don't think it's only speaking to little children, but I think it's speaking to those younger in the faith and that offenses come, woe to that person. It's strong language for us in the body of Christ to be careful how we live our lives, that we don't cause someone else to stumble. Okay? Um, I had a As many of you know, I work with Youth with a Mission, so um, I've lived most of my life outside of the U.S., but um, when I was 21, I joined a team that was working in Amsterdam, and um, we had a house there in the middle of the red light district, and we had a guy on our team, and his name is Helmut, okay? He's a German guy, and he's kind of real weird and mystical, always. Like, you know, uh, and anyway, he, he played guitar, but if you would talk to him within about two or three minutes, the conversation would go, I don't even know where. It was so abstract, you know. So um, my job, I was in charge of the kitchen. And um, in Holland, in the Netherlands, you have two, it's not as strict today, but that time you would have two bread meals a day. And then you'd have one hot meal. That's their tradition. And I think that kind of came after World War II. But anyway, so, um, so we have a bread meal for breakfast, bread and something on top. And, um, and so I would buy cheese for breakfast. And um, one morning, I get a knock on my door like 6.30 in the morning. And the, the girls who were on breakfast, they came up. They said, there's no cheese. And I'm like, There's definitely cheese. I bought cheese. It's down there. Go look. No, we've checked everywhere. There is no cheese. So I get up, go downstairs. Yeah, there's no cheese. That's that's a fact. Okay, so I'm like, okay, what happened to the cheese? And so this started happening on a regular basis. It turns out that Helmut had midnight cravings, and he would go down, and he could demolish like a fairly large chunk of cheese in the night, and um, so what happened is I started to get really mad at Helmut. I'm like, you can't do this. You know, when you live in community, I don't know if any, how many of you have lived in community, but you don't always get to choose people you live with. And so um, anyway, so I'm, but it didn't, didn't change anything. So I get to the point where I'm really fuming, and I'm just like, what do I have to do, like hide cheese? Or, you know, this is crazy, Who, you know. So, so I just felt this anger. It's just brewing up inside of me against Helmut and the cheese, right? And so um, I just remember when a girl on my team came in, and um, she said, 
Laura, I got a scripture for you. Okay, fine. And the scripture was from Proverbs 19.11. And it says, a person's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. Yikes. Okay. Well, I didn't really feel like overlooking an offense, and um, I was pretty angry. I was not being slow to anger. But I took that. It was like the word of the Lord. You know, sometimes God just speaks. It's like the word of the Lord. So I took that scripture, pasted it up in the kitchen, and I thought, that's it. I release Helmut. He can eat all the cheese he wants. I'll buy cheese. If he eats it, so be it. You know, we'll have jam and bread. That's the end of the, that's the, end of the story. And something happened in my heart. I was set free. Right? And it also became one of those principles that I've gone back to again and again and again in my life. That it's to someone's glory to overlook an offense. But it's not always easy. Cheese wasn't too difficult. I mean, I was mad at the moment. But it's not always easy to overlook an offense. Right? It feels like there's some kind of injustice against us or against someone else. And we have a highly developed sense, sometimes, of what's right and what's wrong. And it feels like wrong to forgive an injustice, right? That just feels wrong for us to be able to do that. So I have a right to be angry and I have a right not to forgive because of what this person did, said, continues to do with, you know, every time I'm back in it, it happens again. It's not like once or twice. This is a regular thing. So I have a right to be angry, right? Americans, we're real strong about what we have rights for. I've got this right. I've got that right. This is my, you know, these are my inalienable rights. You know, I've got these. I'm going to hold on to them. I also want to keep nursing the resentment if I can. Somehow I feel a little bit better if I can just say, that person, you know, and and just keep that, right? Or I may be afraid of risking the relationship to talk about it. Most of you probably don't deal with fear of other people, but, you know, for my side, I may not want to talk to that person because I don't want to risk that relationship going south. Okay. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to overlook an offense. And I think that's a good, um, it's a good description for forgiving someone, to overlook a, a, an offense. Okay? It's not the same thing as being healed, right? We can release someone from the offense, we can forgive them, but we still carry the pain. And I remember one time someone asked me, what, um, what exactly is it, you know, when do you know? When do you know that you know that you've been healed? And I was trying to think of an answer. Well, it's not necessarily when you forgive someone, because when you forgive someone, a lot of times the pain is still there, or the damage is still there. And especially, you know, when you're on this, you know, seven times a day kind of thing, you know, you keep forgiving someone uh, multiple times. But um, I think we're actually healed when it stops hurting, you know. When we can revisit 
that memory or when we can revisit that situation and it doesn't hurt. We're not crying about it or we're not super angry about it. It's just okay. It's just another memory. And so when we forgive, it opens the door for healing. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the moment that we forgive someone that we're going to be healed. Okay? Someone said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison in hopes that the other person is going to die. So that's what we do when we don't forgive people. We take it into ourselves and we hope that the damage goes to them. Okay? I can forgive someone and not bring them back into my life. It doesn't mean that I have to open up the door for that person to continue hurting me. There's times when we have that person in our life and we can't get away from that. There are times when that happens. But there's a lot of times when, you know, I'm somebody who's been hurtful multiple times and I just choose to just have some space there, but I still forgive them. Okay? But forgiveness is ultimately between God and me, that I release that person to you. I release the judgment, the judgment that I am holding against that person, and I trust you, God, that you will come and that you will meet me in this space. I release the injustice that has happened to me. I just release the whole thing, and I release that person. Forgiveness always connects us back to God. So anytime we're walking in forgiveness, it's a supernatural thing. I really believe it. To really forgive someone. It's not that you can't do it without God, but I really believe it is a supernatural thing to forgive someone. Okay. From Romans chapter 14, verse 21. It is not good to eat meat or drink wine Or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Okay? So if we do something that causes someone else to stumble, then we are doing the wrong thing. I was living in Chennai in India, and I had a good friend of mine staying with me. Her name is Smriti, and she comes from um, a strict Hindu background where they have a lot of idolatry. You know, they might have idols during their festivals. They have idols that are like two stories high. They're huge. And a lot of music and on every street corner. And everyone is involved with what happens at, on, the, on these festivals. You know, the whole community is involved. So if you choose not to be involved with that, you're really on the outside looking in. And so Smriti has become a believer. She's come out of that. And someone... My next-door neighbor, it was one of the festivals, and my neighbor came over to my house with this great plate of um, Indian sweets that she made, okay? They boil sugar and milk and do all kinds of stuff and come up with these awesome sweets. Personally, I'm not a fan, but my kids were really a fan of these sweets. So it's a nice, really nice gesture. So Samriti's over. She's staying with us. Lady leaves. And um, I set them on the counter, and Smriti goes, you're not going to eat those, are you? And I'm like, ah, I don't think I am. You know, took them straight to the trash and dumped them. Now, probably everything in my kitchen that I've bought at the market has been dedicated to God. 
My oil is Ganesh oil, right? That's the, that's the elephant god. So, and, and, you know, my flower is Lakshmi flower, you know, which is goddess of ed- education. So probably almost everything in my kitchen, if I look, if, from my perspective, it's probably been dedicated to gods anyway. But what was going to happen? Smriti can be stumbled by what I do. Is it worth the sweets? And so, you know, you don't understand that. I mean, I don't understand the food thing until I'm in a different environment sometimes of how important that was for her. And we just kept right on going. You know, so I am 100% responsible for my actions. Let's say that again. I am 100% responsible for my actions. I am not responsible for your actions. Nor can I probably change what you're going to do. As much as I may try, and as many years as my marriage as I thought I could, it just doesn't work that way. Okay? So, I can't control what you do to me. But I can absolutely control how I respond to you. That is within my capacity, my responsibility. So there may be people totally out of control in our lives. I'm sure most of us have people that are really out of control in our lives at some level. And there may be people that we dread if we have to even be with them. But my responsibility is how I respond. My responsibility is not how they live their lives. That's between them and God, right? And so I choose to forgive another person. Okay? I acknowledge how deeply this has hurt me or has hurt people I love. Maybe worse than hurting me, right? If you hurt my kids, then you're really, you're really coming close. And how easy is it for me to take offense if you do something bad against my husband? Trust me. <laughs> those, are, those are tricky things, right? Because I love these people. These are people in my life who are important to me. But I choose to forgive another. I acknowledge how deeply this has hurt me or has hurt people I love. And I understand that this person may do it again. Okay. doesn't mean because we forgive them, they're not going to do it again. And again, that's out of our jurisdiction. We can't say whether they will or they won't. Okay. I can do this because I'm deeply aware of how much I've been forgiven. I am aware of how much I have been forgiven. Remember Jesus. No one ever came so close to be treated as unfairly as Jesus has. Such deep injustices, such unbearable wounds. He was the one dying from these unbearable wounds, facing mocking and taunting, and he's the one who said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. In the worst of times, 
he is able to forgive. And he's able to release forgiveness. And I have been forgiven. There's a scripture that says, um, even if I am faithless, he remains faithful. Because he cannot deny himself. And I have been forgiven of huge amounts. Okay? So we are called to forgive. It's a calling on our lives. It's a mark of following Jesus. It's a mark of forgiveness. And note the effect that this has on the disciples. Verse 6. Increase our faith. Right? Uh, Okay, increase. I don't know if we can do this. Increase our faith. If you see, they've been, they've been with Jesus for a while now, okay? They've seen miracles. I mean, they've seen the sea calm, right, when Jesus was asleep in the boat. They didn't say increase our faith. When did they say increase our faith? It's when we're talking about forgiveness. They're saying, oh, my gosh, I don't have faith for this. I don't have enough faith for this. And then Jesus responds and says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, which led me to ask, is faith something that we increase, that God increases for us or not? Or do we just learn how to use that little bit that we have? Because that little bit of God's faith is huge when you think of who God is. Right? So that little bit, if you have faith of a mustard seed, it's not that we maybe need more faith. We just need faith, period. And as we exercise that faith through obedience, through forgiveness is one of the ways, but as we exercise that faith, that mustard seed starts to grow, that faith starts to grow, it starts to um, develop in our lives. We already have the faith we need. I really believe that. But as we use that faith, as we develop that faith, it grows. Faith as big as a mustard seed. Okay. We exercise faith. Through obedience, that's how we grow our faith. Okay? So when we're, we're talking about following Jesus, we're talking about walking the way that he walked, walking in obedience. It's an exercise of faith. We start to grow our faith, and we can trust him for more, and we can trust him for more. But I think we're already given all the faith that we need to live this life. But as we exercise it, we grow it. So it's all about obedience. Obeying him in our call to forgive. When God calls us to obey, he gives us the power to obey. There's a book, um, I think it was written about 20 years ago. And it was kind of my second major milestone in this, uh, maybe my third. But anyway, in this forgiveness journey, the first one was that offense scripture. You know, it's to a man's glory to overlook an offense. The second one, anyway, that's another one. But this is probably about the third time. And it's called The Bait of Satan. It's by John Bevere. I don't know if any of you have read that. But when he, he talks about it and he said, it is, and the Bible says, it is inevitable that offenses are going to come. So as we face the inevitable, the question is, how do we respond? 
And I never do Greek words. I hardly ever, like, I might look them up personally, but I hardly ever use them. But I'm going to use this one, and it's called scandalon, okay? The scandalon is a snare, okay? It's a stumbling block. It's something that people trip over. It's an offense, or it's to purposely put something in someone's way so that they will fall down. Okay? It's the stick that springs the trap or sets the bait. Scandalon always denotes an enticement to conduct which could ruin the person in question. So it's a trap, basically. An offense is a trap. And it is inevitable that we are going to face this trap. Not once, not twice, but we are going to face this on a regular basis. If you breathe air, you're going to have opportunity to be offended. Okay, scandalon is a trap to capture animals or birds. Offense is the bait that Satan uses to put in that trap. Okay? What happens is we go for the bait. Someone does something that makes us mad, right? And rather than step back and say, uh-oh, it's a trap. This is a trap. Am I going to walk in it or am I not? I can see it right now. Or I can't believe they did that. And I might pretend I'm not offended, just kind of shake it off. Oh, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. You know? But that night I go home, I'm talking to Mike, and I'm going, you know, and then I'm with somebody on the phone. You can't believe what they did. And on we go. But, but I'm okay, I'm good, I'm not offended. Nope, 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 not me. Okay, so we have a, we have a nice little self-righteous um, facade that we like to put up that kind of... Uh, helps us not to deal with the offense, right? Let's see where I am. Okay, so what happens is that we start to release contaminated water. Rather than pure water, our water is contaminated because we have that offense. Our sin of offense is not justified because someone treated us badly. Okay, we are not justified in being offended because someone treated us badly. I'm responsible for my actions. I'm responsible for how I respond back to that person who maybe have treated me terribly. Okay? That person doesn't deserve forgiveness. How many times have we thought that? I mean, not me, but, you know, some people maybe. Right? But anyway, um, there's another scripture that I'd like to go to. Um, it's 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. I think that's going to come up. Okay? For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty to pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, into the obedience of God. 
And the offense happens where? In our thoughts, right? And bringing that into obedience to Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes we think of spiritual warfare and we think, oh my gosh, I just need to pray harder. Oh God, it's the enemy. Oh yeah, da, 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 you know, and here we go into, you know, just taking authority against the enemy and everything. But sometimes it's spiritual warfare to actually forgive someone. Sometimes it's spiritual warfare to choose not to do this sin. Okay? Whatever it is, living holy lives is huge devastation for the enemy. He's got the bait right there, and he's set the trap, and he's like, you've walked into that four other times. I know for sure you're going to walk straight into that trap, and it's going to snap, and you are going to be offended. And what if you say, no, I'm not. I am not. I'm not going there. I've done it four other times. I already know where that leads me. I am not going there. Right? And that starts to be spiritual warfare. And that starts to grow mustard seed faith. And that starts to look like following Jesus. Okay? I want to talk for a minute just about strongholds. Okay? Strongholds are set patterns of reason on how we process information. Okay, so how do we get strongholds in our life? We begin to process information. We have set patterns that we do that with. And what happens is we start to shift from a heart that's open and giving. When a heart becomes wounded, we start to protect. This happens deep in our souls. I begin to think, seek my benefit or my protection at the expense of the other person that I'm in relationship with. So I'm going to protect myself at all costs. And self-protection breeds betrayal. Okay? And betrayal is the ultimate break in relationships. So we go down this road of building a stronghold in our lives. And our stronghold has to do with an offense that someone else has done to us, may have been absolutely off the wall, may have been wrong, whatever. But we have taken that offense into our spirit and we start to act on that offense and we start to build a stronghold. We start to build something that is impenetrable to protect ourselves, and eventually we end up in betrayal, okay? It can lead to hatred. It can lead to a vacuum, void of love, no love at all for this person, okay? And I wrote down, the enemy doesn't care if we forgive ourselves or not. So it also goes into self-hatred, right? So whether, whether we forgive ourselves or not, whether we forgive the other person, I mean, the enemy doesn't really care if it's ourselves or the other person. As long as we're not forgiving, we're good. You know, he's got us where he wants us. So we're, we've walked into the snare. Okay, we can forgive ourselves. I don't know if there's anything in Scripture about that, but I think it's a real thing that a lot of times um, we're so hard on ourselves. We need to be able to forgive ourselves when we've done the wrong thing. And we need to be able to forgive other people 
and keep that channel open where we've got clear water coming and going. Okay? The offended heart then becomes a breeding ground for deception. We become vulnerable for deception. How many people who are offended with the church at one level or another, and if you haven't been offended with the church at one level or another, I might want to talk to you and see what your secret is, right? But, um, you know, how many of us have not have been offended at one level or another, and pretty soon you walk down a road of deception? We begin to isolate ourselves to protect ourselves from more hurt, and we move into deception. Matthew 28, 11. And many will be offended. They will betray one another and hate one another. And then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. How does it happen? A lot of times it happens through an offense. And we take that into our spirit. We allow that into our spirit. And it's like the trap is set. And it's not long before we're questioning a lot of things. And we're questioning a lot of people. Okay, the goal of the wolf pack is to isolate the sheep. Right? They want to get one sheep on their own. And usually what is it? It's the wounded sheep, right? The offended sheep that can isolate and then becomes a target. That sheep is vulnerable. From Proverbs 18.1, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Isolation occurs in the soul. And it occurs as we build that stronghold to protect ourselves so we don't get hurt. We go down this road, and it's a, it's a slippery slope. So I'm going to stop here in just a minute, but I'm just going to talk for a minute on the mulberry tree. Okay. Mulberry tree can last for hundreds of years. I'm going to just skip back. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up and planted into the sea. So a mulberry tree can last for hundreds of years. It's deeply rooted. And unforgiveness can be like this mulberry tree. It can be deeply rooted and it can go on for generations. It, it lives past our lifetime many times. And we need the power of God to set us free. Taking an offense, walking in, grabbing the bait, taking the cheese, for crying out loud, right? Okay. Um, it's self-created. We blame others because we're unable to forgive them. It's your fault I'm like this. Right? If you didn't say that, I would never have said this, and we would never be where we are now. Huh, no. Hundred percent responsible for what comes out of my mouth, for the actions that I do. Okay, how much does God forgive us every day? We are called by God to be 
forgivers. That's our calling. If we're following Jesus, that's what he did, right? And we have been forgiven of such a huge amount. So that's what we want. We want to be forgivers. We cannot pull this mulberry tree up. It's too strong for us. You ever try to pull just a regular tree up with your hands? It's like impossible, right? You know, you could get all kinds of spades. and so You can't get the tree up. I mean, I've seen people with tractors pulling trees up. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's a nightmare. But the mulberry tree is too strong for us. Only Jesus will give us the power to walk in forgiveness. And maybe the worship team can come up and um, because we'll go into communion in just a minute. But this does not minimize our pain, okay? Our pain needs to be healed. And that can only be healed by the cross. That's, That's where we find healing. We don't just get over it when somebody hurts us. Oh, I'm tough, you know, it it doesn't work that way. That wound needs to be healed. Okay. If we look in the Bible, people who model forgiveness, there's a lot of them, but comes to mind is Joseph. Joseph really modeled forgiveness. And not only did he model forgiveness, he said this is what God's plan was. God planned this. Right? What about Stephen? He's being stoned. And he is like, Lord, don't hold this to their account. And what about Jesus on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. So we're, yeah. This is a deep thing. This is a really deep thing. And people have been able to forgive very deep things that have happened. And people have held on to really small things. So I don't think the offense is the offense. and it, it, There are definitely levels of offense that are deeper. But we can hold on to a small thing or we can forgive a deep thing. Something that's really had huge effect on our lives and on the lives of other people. The choice is up to us. I'm just going to have a quick word of prayer. So, God, I just want to pray into this area of offense. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to see when and how we offend people, Father. I pray, God, that you would um, open our eyes to see what offenses we have allowed into our spirit, into our soul, that really um, direct our actions. Father, I just pray for the revelation of your Holy Spirit to speak to us and um, just, to, just to train us in this area that we would be people that would be really hard to offend, that, that we would have that kind of backbone that bring it on because I'm going to trust Jesus that you are not going to offend me. So, Father, we just commit our way to you and we just invite you, Lord, to work in our hearts in this area. Amen.